We're continuing uh, talking about uh, security and the, the roles that Christ fills in, in our security and our safety. And this is something I think hits most of us somewhere. Uh, we are all about security. If you didn't know that you were very in tune to security, then you should just listen to commercials. Uh, it, pretty much one out of every three commercials, I think, is for something to do with uh, security. Uh, and from time to time, we all have issues with security. Uh, of, of, it might be your software, it might be uh, your information, it might be your future financial security, but your security is very important to you. Um, and, and it is very important to those who advertise to get your money. Put your photos here, put this here, you got to do this, got to have this, you got to be secure. And, uh, and of course, we want our security to not be intrusive. I, I like my security not to be intrusive. Like, ah, oh, man, this is... This security bogs down my computer. What, what, what is less intrusive? I want this running in the background. I want doing this. I, I don't really want to know that... I don't want my security to have to be always uh, right in my face. You know, this pop-up. Oh, you need to scan this and do this. Can we just do that so I don't have to pay attention? I want my security, but I don't want to have to think about my security. Uh, it has to happen in real time. Oh, we scan in real time. You don't have to do a separate scan and, and all these. And, um, you know, maintaining our security is, is very great. It's very important to us right up until it is inconvenient. Right? It's very inconvenient to me. Um, last year, I was going up to camp, uh, and we stopped off. It was a Sunday, and uh, we had... I, I, probably should, I should, probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, we had... Uh, our, our bank was Waukesha State Bank. Love local bank, great bank. Um, and we, we were in uh, Minnesota, and uh, so I dropped the kids off because we're trying to get out of town as fast because it's a long drive up to, uh, to northern Minnesota. And uh, so dropped the kids off. We got a, a, they went over to Taco Bell. I went over to put gas in the car. And then I went in to, uh, or I, I first went in to, to buy, I think, I, don't, I forget what I had to buy for the trip. And then I came out to get gas in the car. Well, all of a sudden it wouldn't take my card. Because there's a fraud alert, that was the third time it had been used in separate locations in, uh, it, or attempted it within like a five-minute span. You know? So I was like, oh, no. Um, well, it was wonderful, but there's a number on the back of the card. So I called it. And all it is, it wasn't anybody. I couldn't talk to anybody. All it was was, uh, was the numbers, like, you know, uh, I, I forget what it was to, re to report your card stolen. That's it. They couldn't do anything about the fact that I can't pay for gas now. Like, oh, man, now I've got to figure out what I've got to put on the credit card or something. I've got to do something. I think I had a little cash on me or something. So I, we, we were able to get up to Minnesota. As I say, I, I was at Waukesha State Bank. So, uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll get a hold of a, I want a bank where I can get a hold of on a Sunday, if I could possibly do that. Uh, you're going to freeze people's bank cards. You should, you should at least make yourself available to, uh, to get a hold of. Right? It's not in, it's, I love the fact that had someone stolen my card, they weren't going to let them go make charges all over town. That, been, that's, that is great. I am thankful for that. 
However, I would have liked that security to be a little bit more convenient to me. I, I want my safety and security, but I want it to be convenient at the same time. We're going to look at a verse that talks about, it's actually going to be our, our next two, it's going to be the text for our next two sermons. First uh, Peter 2.25 says, You were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And um, I want to just review a little bit of what we've talked about so far this month, talking about the things that Christ does for our security. We, we opened talking about how Christ rescues us from an immediate danger. From, from this, that's the first thing that's most important. What is the, what is the specific emergency situation? And, and Christ rescues us from a number of those. We are good at getting ourselves into emergency situations. God says, I'm good at getting you out of them. We then looked at finding a place of more, well, now we've got you out of this emergency situation. Let's, let's look towards a more permanent uh, situation or place of safety. And Christ also does that. So now we're going to look at exactly how, or start to look at exactly how our, our security is maintained. How that process runs in the background, so to speak. Um, well, first let's look at the role of guardian. I'm going to look at the role of guardian. The definition, first, of a guardian um, means to look over. That's what the word means, to look over. Some of you might have a, a if you're reading a different version, it might say the overseer of your souls, to return to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And in fact, some of you, if you have a really old Bible, uh, it will say the bishop of your souls. Uh, the bishop of your souls. Uh, it is the same word that is uh, used to refer to the position of a bishop in the church or elder. What we talk about the elders is the same exact word. It's the overseer. It means to look over. That person who's watching over things. And Christ is the one who looks over. He, he monitors. He scans. This week, um, I made a new purchase. Uh, we, uh, we went to... Uh, uh, our, our son had a... Uh, Anthony had an ear infection. So we had to take him out of school or whatever. And we had to go to the doctors and uh, 8 billion prescriptions. So we had to uh, go. So I'm going to the pharmacy and, and uh, I, I had to buy a new thing that I have never purchased before. Right, I'm going to try these on. I'm not sure how they work and I, I can't really see any of you. But I, I do notice that I can see things up close now. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that says 5 milliliters or 15 milliliters. I really don't know what I'm looking at here. So we'll try not to OD our kid. Because uh, things don't work quite like they used to. Uh, Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards Him. You have done foolishly in this for from now on you will have wars and I don't even uh, the, the context of this is not really important here uh, but the point that is 
urgent for us to understand is that Christ's eyes work fine. He sees far and He sees near and there is no difference with Him. I learned early in school that actually um, everyone, the troublemakers liked to sit in the back. I learned that actually that's the worst place for troublemakers to sit. See, I was a troublemaker. And uh, I learned as a class clown that the better place to sit was in front. Not only did I have a better audience, uh, but the teacher looked over me. And she would look at the back and all the kids in the back. So they always got in trouble. I, I, I could do much more entertaining up front where she looked over me. Right? Uh, but God, God is great at looking far and near. He has no problems in either one. His ability to oversee is universal. And nothing escapes His attention. Well, let's talk about what He watches. What does he watch? First um, Peter chapter three. And notice that there's a lot of things about Christ watching in First Peter. I, I think that's partly because Peter was an overseer. That's, we find out later that he was not just an apostle, but but that he had become an elder himself uh, as as he got older. And uh, it's kind of interesting that that he talks a lot about this subject. First uh, Peter chapter three verse twelve says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And that kind of uh, echoes what we just read. Uh, that Second uh, Chronicles tells us that his eyes are over the, the blameless. And, but we need to understand that you know those who have been rescued, continue to be a part of his concern. In our class today, we were, we were discussing you know, the, uh, the scriptures and, and talking about how, how, we, how we interpret. And uh, there was a comment made talking about going astray. And uh, you know, a lot of times that is really... It's something that we do that we, we think, well, a person is saved now, and that is great. And we start looking for the next person to save, which is also great, and we forget that once people are safe, they need to have that safety maintained. God doesn't just... He's, God is not just farsighted, looking, looking for the next person way, way far away. But God's... God's desire is also to maintain the safety of people who have already come to safety. He wants both. He watches over the righteous. It is interesting what our text said, and it is monitored. Uh, in his monitoring, he monitors our soul. He is the bishop. He's the overseer, the guardian of our soul. We pray for so many things. We have long lists, don't we? And then again, this is not to say this is a bad thing. We have long lists of, of needs, of our physical needs, and, and the things that seem so immediately important. And God is concerned about those. But God is not the overseer of my body. Because this body is 
temporary. His vision is a little bit better than that. God is the guardian of my soul. Now, he might guard my body, but that's not his title. We learn a lot about what is most important to God and to Christ by the title he takes to himself. The overseer of my soul. That is what he is concerned about. We are so much more worried about our travel and our health, our finances. We get preoccupied with those. God says there is something far more important than that. Your soul. And we don't want to minimize the importance of physical things. But the soul is what God desires to watch over. Well, he's called the guardian. That's one of the translations of that. So, what does he guard us from? What does he guard me from? Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you. And there's two different translations of this. Some say evil and some say the evil one. I suppose it gets to the same place. Um, literally, it is guards you against evil. And sometimes it seems like we are not protected. Um, questions that cannot be answered, however, is all the dangers that we have been in. You don't know all the dangers you have actually been in. Not just physical dangers, uh, but spiritual dangers. We, we think sometimes, why didn't God protect me from this? You don't know what, what He was protecting you from. You don't know what the alternate universe had for you. You don't know what uh, the result of an alternate choice or a different set of circumstances uh, could possibly have been. What would, what would have happened in a different set of circumstances if this hadn't happened. I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations in, a just, in just a second. First Peter chapter 4. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, <coughs> chapter 4, verse 19. It says this, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. There is trust that has to be made because we could have been in a greater danger that we might not know. Things that are in our best interest are not always convenient. I've shared with you the story of breaking my leg in, in first grade. And, uh, and I also shared to you the follow-up event to that story, which was that a girl named Christine Kelly uh, pushed me down, broke my leg. And the doctor told my mother, uh, you are lucky that this girl pushed him down because you didn't know he had a broken leg and I would have had to come re-break it later and it still probably wouldn't by that time have been able to heal 100% correctly. I would have been a lame person. I would have walked a lot differently right now had Christine Kelly not pushed me down. I would be different Forty years later. Well, at the moment, I didn't like being pushed down by Christine Kelly. Then I hurt a lot. 
But I couldn't have known at that moment the things that that affected. And it's the same thing with our soul. We don't understand the, the spiritual things. We think, this is, this is not great. This, I wish this had happened. I wish this could have happened. We might even think that this would be a spiritually good thing for us. But why didn't this happen? Well, you don't understand down the road what could have possibly happened. Our translator, um, when we were in Ukraine, a guy by the name of Zhenya, Eugene, uh, had desired to, to go to Kiev, the University of Kiev. And uh, his desire was to be the ambassador to Israel. Uh, he was a Jewish, young Jewish kid, really super intelligent. Five languages. He knows five languages. Um, that was his goal. The summer he was getting ready to go to uh, the university, he was swimming. Uh, they had gone on vacation. He was swimming uh, and dove into shallow water and broke his back. Uh, he was laid up for several months uh, and ended up having to miss that year. Um, so I ended up going to a local uh, ended up enrolling in a local university, not really that highly, or not even called a university, an institute. Uh, but that year, some Americans came over. Uh, it wasn't me. I wasn't there. Uh, it was before we moved over. Uh, but they advertised uh, learning, practicing English. He was attracted to that. And, uh, and he met um, people that we know. Uh, and of course, everything from there is history. Did God break his back? I don't know. Did God allow it to happen? Obviously. He could not have known that 20 years later he would be the head translator at a Bible university. Couldn't have known that. In Kiev, where he wanted to go in the first place. Couldn't have known that. We don't know how God oversees us. And at the immediate time, it might be very inconvenient to us. But we don't know how God is guarding us. That's why we entrust our souls to a faithful creator. We think about that promotion. Oh, I wish I would have gotten that promotion and it would have allowed me to do this. It would have allowed me to do that. We might even be speaking about spiritual things. A, a, a promotion might have given me a, a, a raise and a raise might have allowed me to do more things with my money, even, even spiritual things. But you don't know what those things might have been. And, and, and the, the, the situations with us are endless. We've all gone through this question. What would have happened? I don't know. Maybe it will come clear. For Genia, it's become clear. It doesn't always come clear for us. So we entrust our souls. So I want to know the guardian. I guess I suppose that's where we begin when we talk about uh, knowing our guardian. But if we know the guardian, we know a little bit of the way he works, it should help us out a little bit. To know a person, not just to, to know about him. But to invest, first thing, to invest in our own security. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, 
Again, First Peter. Verse 7 and 8 says, Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Do you know Him? Do you, do you, do you trust that He actually has deep compassion for your situation? He's not there to hurt you. He takes no joy in a broken back. Be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to be made of our. Invest in your own security. We've mentioned how Christ keeps us from self-destruction. But Christ just doesn't simply do everything himself. He won't prevent all bad things from happening. And he will not keep a person safe who is bent on self-destruction. There's a point where God throws his hands up and says, All right, have at it. You're bent on this. I could see you really, really want this. Go ahead and see where this gets you. And even in that, he may be protecting us. Even in that, he might be saying, Have a taste. And you might come back around later on. But our obligation is recognized at this point. Um, Over the last couple of years, just as an illustration, um, people have gotten fairly creative. Uh, Lazy people, I will say, lazy people and criminals are creative. They are very creative in, in how they avoid work. Uh, so, so hackers have gotten creative, um, and there's been a bunch of things in the news over the last couple of years about holding cities ransom to the tune of hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. Um, well, how does that happen? I send an email. Someone clicks it, and. They can no longer access the town's records. Send us money, we send you a key, we're all happy. You have to invest in your own security. Don't click the email. It doesn't make a difference how great your internet security is if you go and click the email. There's only so much that your security can do. You have to invest in your own security. God says, there's only so much I can do if you are bent on destruction. If I go and click on a thing that's going to hurt me, there's only so much God can do. Well, one more thing here. I could, there's a lot of points that I could put here. A lot of ways to invest. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 12. He says, If you say, Behold, we didn't know this, doesn't he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Very simply, if you can read that, Ignorance is of no excuse. That's what he's saying here. If you say, behold, we didn't know this, 
The man who oversees, even to the point, man whose vision is so great, he understands and sees and reads the heart, knows the truth. If you, we all know, the, the greater that you know a person, you know when you're around, you know what they like, you know what they dislike, you know how to interpret their moods, right? You're around, you know them. I, uh, I was at camp, I met a guy by the name of Dan. Uh, he was a counselor with us, and he was talking about how, uh, he goes, I get hangry every once in a while. Uh, he's like, uh, you know, if I, I uh, and so he's like, my wife and I have kind of a, a way we communicate with each other. Uh, so I get in one of these moods, I have, you know, I missed lunch or something, and I, I it's like, I get hangry. And she says, um, can I make you a sandwich? And what that means is, Dan, you're being a jerk. And he says, yes, you can make me a sandwich, which is, yes, I know I'm being a jerk. <laughs> you're, you're around each other. You kind of get to know the way things happen and the moods and everything. You can read people. You're like, oh, here we're going down this road. If, if we know Christ, if we know the way he thinks and know the way he is, if you really know and trust the fact that he has that superior vision and doesn't need some of these things. He reads the hearts. If you know that he reads the hearts, understand, ignorance is of no excuse. You're not going to get by with that one. He knows the heart. Don't try to get away with something with God the way you would try to get away with it with people because we do that. And kids think that the earth began the day they were born. They don't realize that their parents were kids who tried the same stuff. You want to really blow their mind, tell them that their grandkids were kids too. Like that, they just can't. Really. <laughs> that old guy was a kid. Yes. And I know stories about him because my mom told me the stories that grandpa told him when... Mom didn't think that he'd ever been a kid. You know, it's like, these things go down. It's like, wow. Yeah. Other people have tried to pull that stunt before. God says, you're not getting away with that. I've been around for a little while. Invest in your own security. And God can do far greater at protecting you and keeping you safe. But we have to invest in our own security. Know the guardian. Know the way he works. Know what he desires. And trust him when you, when you can't... when you can't imagine what he's doing. I want to conclude with just two thoughts. Uh, first of all, what does the watcher know? The one who watches, what does he know? About me. The stuff that nobody else knows or maybe very few people know. The stuff I hope nobody knows. What does he know right now? Our mind all goes to one place. Whatever that is, I know what he knows. And that's something to take care of. That's something, as we talked about, 
That's something blood was shed to cover. He knows it. And this is the moment. As you're thinking about it now, not to get on with your day and pretend it doesn't exist. The watcher knows. He knows here in the church building, he knows wherever you're going to go today. He knows. The second thing, though, that's quite important. See, a guardian guards what's his. A guardian guards what's his. Am I under his jurisdiction? He's only watching what he owns. If I haven't put myself under his jurisdiction, I don't have any guarantee that he's watching over me. If I say, I don't need need God, then I'm not his. God can guard me near or far, but God, God only guarantees to guard me if I place myself under his authority. And if you leave here today, you have no guarantee if you have not submitted to Christ that he's watching for oh I mean he's watching you he sees you there's no guarantee of protection there's no guarantee of safety he might try to get you to safety you might still exist in that thing where we've got to try to get this guy to safety he might watch you in that aspect but he can't protect you Well, your guardian is still yourself. Well, you're trying, still trying to be your own guardian. He says, hands off. That's the challenge today. To leave, to make sure first and foremost you are under his care and protection and under his watch. And secondly, if you've made that decision, to reflect on what he's seeing in your life that needs further protection.